question is dear Ajahn thank you and the Sangha for sharing your time for this rather beneficial retreat my question before I was ordained as an eight precept nun my practice was powerful I had a lot of virya and faith I had experiences which you describe as the right way but since I was ordained seven years ago <clears throat> I encountered a lot of obstacles and it was hard for me to carry on. Maybe the parami might not have been well enough established to be a nun or it has karmic reasons. Because of COVID and other circumstances, I had to stay in the West. I was unable to go back to Asia and I find it is very hard to find a place in the West which gives the opportunity to practice as Tanajan and the venerables describe we should do, especially when uh, old. I am 60 now, too old for some monasteries to get accepted as a member. So I wonder if it is better to disrobe, start again from scratch and try to find a place uh, in Thailand and try to work my way further in this very life as uh, black and white dressed upasika. I am aware that I am not as fit and as strong as I once was. Things are getting more difficult now due to old age, but I also know that death is around the corner, not much time left. So I should not be encouraged, which I was in between a lot. I almost gave up, but could not for some reason. Gratitude to Tanajan and Sangha with Metta. May you all be well and happy. We should not be discouraged, probably. So the answer is in relation to your situation that you find yourself in. For someone over 60 years old, uh, to practice by themselves without a community to practice with uh, will be difficult. And later on, once you get older and uh, start having sicknesses, then uh, it will be even harder uh, to stay or to find places where you can practice as a nun. If you've already ordained as a nun and uh, you try to stay in different uh, places of practice or monasteries, uh, it is difficult unless you've already built your parami uh, relationship with the community and the place there. Otherwise, it'll be hard for you to be able to enter there and stay. It's also uh, necessary when you go to a new place to adjust to uh, the situation there as well. Um, because there's factors such as seniority uh, and also different activities and work going on in that, those, those places. Unless you have a special connection with uh, the community there and you can receive some special uh, preference. 
But the Dhamma practice is in the heart or in one's mind, and the ordination is an outer form. Uh, what it does give us is the time to practice uh, if you have ordained. But you also can practice whether you are an ordained nun or wearing white uh, or you're an upasika keeping the eight precepts with uh, wearing white and black and not being a nun, uh, you can still practice. Uh, but to be a upasika keeping the eight precepts like that, uh, wearing black and white, it is easier to get around and travel to places um, as long as you do have the time to practice the Dhamma. And so if you were able to look after yourself, uh, provide for yourself, you had the resources and money to look after your own food, uh, your own place to practice and stay, uh, then that would be convenient. Uh, or you could even find uh, some friends as well that would have similar views and ways of practice to you, and that would also be convenient if you stayed together and practiced. Uh, to find somewhere in Asia to practice. It is difficult, uh, especially when you're older, but you could uh, try searching uh, for a place uh, where you may find one, but mostly those over 60 years old, uh, it will be difficult to find a place. Um, but you could, it is possible to try, uh, maybe not, being a nun and keeping the eight precepts, wearing a black and white like an upasika. Um, and ultimately, the real Dhamma practice is in one's own heart. So, a question from Anonymous. Dear Ajahn, how to differentiate between whether it's wisdom arising or whether it's basically just perceptions? Many ideas do come up during meditation that I don't think of when I am not meditating. Also, what to observe when we are sick and in a lot of pain. Anumotana Ajahn, may Ajahn always be well and happy. And so for this you have to notice uh, at the times when you're sitting in meditation and uh, the level of peacefulness in the mind is to a good level then knowing and understanding uh, will arise. Or we can take that peace and stillness that we've developed uh, to whatever extent that we're capable of developing and then we contemplate into the body, uh, into feelings, the vedana, uh, knowing it just the body as just a Body, simply a body, according to the teachings that I've already given uh, previously. Uh, basically, contemplating in terms of uh, the body, uh, feelings, the mind, and the mind objects. If we gain understanding into these uh, foundations, then the mind will become peaceful uh, and have emptiness arise. Well, they also uh, maybe feelings of inner contentment and inner bliss in the mind. Uh, but if 
we're contemplating and there's still a lot of thoughts coming up, uh, proliferations there, then we do have to be careful uh, because the more we contemplate and investigate, then our samadhi that we've developed will reduce and diminish. And then if it uh, is low, then it will end up just being our memories and perceptions that we're using and there won't be any peace there in the mind. So then in this case, we must uh, put our efforts uh, into the practice, into developing our mindfulness, our sati anew, uh, sati with the mind and uh, developing it fully. Uh, when the mind is peaceful, then uh, certain thoughts may arise and we may gain uh, deep knowledge following uh, what has arisen. Or maybe we have entered a state of peace and then the thoughts arise and we know the thoughts simply as uh, being thoughts or that their true nature, that it really isn't a me or a mind there. Uh, so, and it may not be when we're doing formal sitting meditation that uh, this happens. It may be that uh, we're developing our samadhi and outside of that formal meditation practice when we're doing other things even, that the mind then gathers and we're able to then contemplate uh, and then we have mindfulness uh, there and gain understanding. Uh, we may have the mindfulness to know into these uh, thoughts and proliferations that are arising and that they're, they're impermanent, they're uncertain, or seeing other things as being impermanent and uncertain, not a sure thing. Uh, and in this way, then, the thinking and uh, proliferations can stop. Uh, but if we're not there yet, maybe our strength of our mind is not enough, then we really do need to put in efforts anew develop our mindfulness well and to make our samadhi concentration firm. In terms of uh, when we are sick and in a lot of pain, you must uh, be aware of your own mental strength and capabilities. If your strength of mind is enough, then you'll be able to contemplate into wetana, uh, the painful feelings, and be able to separate out the painful feelings from uh, the body, this physical formation. You'll be able to see uh, the vetana, the feelings, as just simply feelings. Uh, but if your strength of mind isn't that strong, uh, then you may need to use some medications in order to reduce the pain and uh, maybe torture even that you're, you're in. Um, and this will help to alleviate some of the pain uh, following what the doctor recommends. Um, and then maybe your pain is reduced a bit and then you'll be able to have enough uh, mental strength in order to contemplate into your experiences. Uh, or you could uh, try to really fight against those painful feelings, the sicknesses, um, and really take it you know, if you have to die, then let, let just, just die. Um, you'll go to that extent. If you can really go to that extent, then you'll be able to uh, overcome and win over uh, these painful feelings. Uh, 
and the mind will grow uh, radiant and, and bright, but you really have to be ready to die uh, with that state of mind. If you don't have enough mental strength, then you will have to use some medications. Um, but in terms of Dhamma practice strictly, then uh, if you have sicknesses, use your mindfulness to uh, watch and be aware, uh, have mindfulness over the painful feelings and see it as being uh, not me, not mine. Um, it's just something that's arisen just now and it's arising. Um, and if you have the mindfulness there, you'll see it uh, just cease and subside. Um, so you have the understanding come up that it is because of this form, there's sense organs uh, there, and this you receive contact, and then the painful feelings arise because of, uh, from that form. Uh, and if you didn't have these sense organs, this form, then you wouldn't have painful feelings in Vedana. Um, so it's because of uh, this body. So really try to be determined uh, to put your efforts into the practice and what you're doing and practicing is uh, correct so keep at it Bowing with respect to Luang Po I am a new student during meditation by mentally reciting the word Bhutto when the body and the mind feels light I try to ensure that my mind remained established in mindfulness and calmness as long as possible because I feel that the mind is a pure element in itself, I therefore did not do any other contemplation during the calm state of mind due to the fear of mental proliferation. I am unsure as to whether I should adjust my view on this matter. May Lung Po with Metta please guide me towards the bright path. So firstly, Anumodana with your practice your efforts. You are one who is a new student or starting to practice the Dhamma. This is a Seka Pukala, which is one who is in training. Uh, but actually, even the noble Aryas, the Sodapana, Sakadagami, Anagami, is also one still in training. Uh, so you, using, you are using Bhutto, the meditation uh, mentally reciting it, and the body and mind become light. So this is good, this is correct. Uh, so keep your mindfulness with uh, the mind for as long as you can. Doing this is correct. Um, when thoughts arise, proliferations come up, then you use butto again, and then the mind again becomes peaceful. So in, like this, there's no need to contemplate yet. Invest, you don't have to investigate yet. Um, this is what we call the peace coming from samadhi. Uh, the mind is the knowing element and um, the peace you're experiencing is uh, compared to a rock that is on top of uh, grass. So it isn't yet the peace coming from the stillness of the gilesas, the mental defilements. So it still is a temporary peace. Um, but so you don't, you don't yet need to uh, contemplate first um, is fine. Um, but the ignorance there still in the heart uh, will lead to proliferations, uh, sankharas and thinking to arise. There'll be certain um, 
mental states, uh, aramanas coming up. And it's here that we do need to contemplate them, have mindfulness, um, and to have the understanding that these things that are coming up are not us. Uh, they're not a me or a mine, and they're simply a conditioned phenomena or samuti, uh, conventional reality. Uh, so practicing like this, knowing like this, is correct view or samaditi, right view, and it's also samasati, samasamati. Um, and so this is a correct practice. Uh, so keep practicing like this, and in the beginning, you don't have to contemplate yet. Um, if you've got good uh, peace and calm that you can develop, then that's good. Um, and when the thoughts come up, then you again uh, practice, make the mind peaceful. And so try to be proficient and experienced in doing this first. And later on, you'll be able to uh, contemplate or you can contemplate later on. Uh, this be able to... Uh, have the peace and stillness there first and later on yeah, you can contemplate um, and then you may find that if the mind reaches a certain level of peace that uh, the mind may naturally contemplate or there will be uh, wisdom and understanding coming up and this won't be uh, proliferations and, and thoughts uh, but, but wisdom uh, but if you find that your you're just thinking, creating thoughts and following thoughts like that, uh, then you have to stop and notice that and come back to your meditation with the word butto. Uh, again, make the mind peaceful. So there's three questions from Lee Beng San from Malaysia. Uh, hi, Ajahn. Question number one. Will I still be able to practice until I escape from the samsara in this lifetime if in the past, before I was awakened to the harm of not following the Buddha's teaching and realizing the value of the Buddha's path, I have committed a lot of bad karma? Number two, I would like to take up the eight precepts daily but due to the working environment and, and layman lifestyle, what happens if I break one of those eight precepts on certain days? Will it result in bad karma? And number three, during meditation, my body posture starts to waver from front to back after a while. What should I do to overcome this? Thank you, Ajahn. First question. Uh, come back to the present moment, whatever's been done in the past, whether it's yesterday, uh, last year, or many years ago, or even in past lives, uh, just they're in the past. You may remember them, um, but you put them down, come back to the present, and right now you are determined to build goodness. So you may have done some uh, or a lot of bad karma in the past, but now you're awakened more to the path uh, of practice. Uh, you know more. You know the drawbacks of not keeping sila, virtue, the precepts, 
and now you know the benefits of keeping sila. So you, you know the dangers and drawbacks of the mind that is left uh, following its moods and emotions, its proliferations, and also not having sila. So now you're practicing to make the mind peaceful. So it isn't do, having done bad karma in the past is not an obstacle to the practice. Um, the uh, very severe bad karma is what we call the anantariya karma, uh, that which is uh, killing one's mother and father or having made a Buddha shed blood uh, or killing a, an arahant. Uh, this is what we call the kamma that uh, is very severe. And cl- clearly you have not uh, done bad karma to that extent. And so whatever you've done uh, is not an obstruction for you to see and know the Dhamma. In terms of the second question, keeping the eight precepts daily, um, it may be easier for you to keep the five precepts and then you can add on to that, uh, add one or two precepts to that, whether it is maybe not sleeping, lying on a high bed, maybe not eating after 12, or not uh, watching, indulging in entertainments, or not using makeup or perfumes. So you don't have to keep the eight precepts, but you can maybe take seven or six precepts. So doing it like this is not, is not wrong. Um, but if you try to strictly keep the eight precepts, you've determined to do so, and then you aren't able to do it, uh, then there's a feeling of uh, bad gamma coming up in the mind, or the mind is more uh, worried from those actions um, because you feel like you haven't followed through on your vow and your uh, precepts, and then there'll be suffering in the mind. So you can take the five precepts as your foundation, keep that strictly, and then add to that according to your level of strength. Um, And in this way, you won't suffer uh, in the mind. The third one about body posture starting to waver. Um, Try to establish your mindfulness to see why it is you're wavering or your body is wavering like this, is it because you're sleepy? Uh, or is it because it's a feeling of piti, like rapture, um, coming up? There's uh, five forms of rapture, uh, and one can be a feeling of uh, maybe waves crashing, uh, coming through the body like that, and that may lead to the body to uh, waver around like that. Um, and there may be feelings of a lot of joy and inner contentment, rapture coming up in the mind. So you have to know, and the mind will know this, uh, and you'll see that if you open your eyes and try to become aware of what's happening, then uh, this will disappear. So you, there may be forms of rapture coming up, and there's other forms as well, uh, like the body feeling very light, or maybe the body is expanding feeling very large, even uh, it feels like it's grown beyond the, the uh, boundaries of your house. 
Uh, it feels like that. And so there may be feelings of, of joy and rapture coming up, and this is samadhi arising. So just have your mindfulness to know this uh, and to know that as well these feelings of uh, rapture coming up are, imper- are something impermanent. They're not lasting as well. Uh, the mind may be peaceful at that time, but that uh, rapture will, can disappear as well. Uh, so try to gather in as much uh, mindfulness, uh, samadhi, and sort of rapture and bliss that you can, uh, but also know that these states are impermanent. Uh, when you know these things are impermanent, uh, they're the, of the nature to be anicca, dukkha, anatta, you find that you have no, you can't really control these things on the inside. How much so then can you control uh, the things on the outside, the external things to you? Uh, so, question from Katie Gardiner from Canada. Dear Ajahn Anand, could you please expound more on a stream enterer is one who must cut off attachment in the heart, who must reduce attachment in the heart. Also, you said earlier in this retreat, the mind is still, it's the heart that proliferates. These two statements seem related. I'm curious to know how to apply this teaching to my practice. Please say more about how to reduce attachment in the heart and or how to reduce proliferation in the heart. How should the attention be directed? Is it a suffering aspect within the emotional heart? Thank you very much for your teachings and for this online retreat. So the Sodapana stream enterer is an individual who has cut off some of the fetters that binds uh, this heart, this mind. Uh, the, so we have to, to do this, we need to uh, use a meditation object, uh, whether it's a mental repetition that we use, uh, in order that the mind doesn't go thinking to other things. Uh, and the mind is able to gain peace and stillness. So a sotapanna is one who's cut off uh, some of the that which fetters and binds the heart, uh, which is the thing that binds it tightly, is this sense of self. So there are ten uh, fetters, uh, and the sotapanna has cut off uh, three of them, uh, the self-identity view, sceptical doubts and attachments to rites and rituals or precepts and practices. Uh, and so their view has changed and they've cut off uh, that which uh, bind these, that binds the heart. And we, this is practiced and achieved through the walking, the practicing of sila, samadhi and banya uh, or not doing of any evil or unskillful, uh, cultivating merit and goodness and purifying the mind. This is the path that will free one from suffering, that will lead one to see the Dhamma and to see and attain to Nibbana.
So if the mind is uh, agitated, thinking a lot, then there will be no samadhi uh, and wisdom then won't arise. So we need to develop mindfulness, sati, uh, to develop samadhi so that the mind can be well established and, and firm and then we can contemplate into rupa, nama, materiality and mentality and from this or clear seeing into this is able then to cut off that which binds our heart uh, and that is the sakya ditti, which is this self-identity view as we see uh, this rupa and nama as being not a self and this is called seeing the dhamma uh, and so how do we practice to get there we have to reduce uh, the proliferations of thoughts in the mind through our meditation object the repetition of whether it's butho or dhammo sankho in order to uh, keep watch and control over our minds or we can use, we have to do that a lot uh, or if that is difficult for us, then we try to do the whole chant of Itipiso all the way to Bhagavati. Uh, and we have a mindfulness established with that uh, recitation or mental res- uh, repetition. And later on then, Bhutto, just the one word, is able to then make our mind to be peaceful. Uh, and we can then rest in that state of peace and calm and then later contemplate into the rupa and nama as being anicca, dukkha, anatta, which then is able to cut off uh, the, the mind's attachments or those uh, three fetters that uh, binds one. But if you don't do this, if you aren't able to get there, then it's basically the the mental defilements are making you walk uh, to a path where suffering will arise uh, because these gilases uh, cause suffering to arise. So we should uh, make an effort and anumodana in your practice. Last question for today then. The rest will be answered later. Uh, So another question from uh, Anonymous. Dear Lung Po, if a super contemplation is proving too difficult for us, is there a way to ease into it slowly? If so, could LP please explain the steps we should take to progress towards the contemplation of the 32 parts? Is a super contemplation necessary for attaining enlightenment? So if the contemplation of a suba is difficult, uh, one may be a layperson, and so it may not be necessary to contemplate it then. Um, But you can uh, take up a contemplation of one of the 32 parts of the body for the contemplation. Uh, So a suba contemplation is a way to make the mind peaceful, is a samatha kamatana. Uh, tranquility meditation object, uh, same as the kaya gata sati, the mindfulness of the body, the mindfulness of the breath, butho, uh, they're all samatha, kamatana, uh, and other methods as well. If we can uh, 
use one of these objects and we can make the mind peaceful, then we should use that uh, object, that meditation object. Um, if the asuba contemplation is difficult for us, then we can just use uh, butto is okay, and this can make our mind peaceful. Or we can take the outer uh, parts of the body for contemplation, like the hair on the head, hair of the body, the nails, teeth, and skin, that which covers uh, the inner body. Uh, so we can contemplate, say, the hair. Uh, we say that our hair is very beautiful. Uh, we like it. And then we see other people's hair is beautiful. Um, but what if we didn't wash our hair? What would that be like? Or what if we didn't wash it for a long time or regularly? What would that be like? So we contemplate and uh, investigate that. Or if this hair of ours uh, falls into something like uh, food, a clean food, or something that is clean, uh, then the hair, oh, sorry, then the food then becomes uh, dirty. It's considered dirty by us and others um, because of that hair. So that must mean that the hair is something dirty. Um, so this is an example of a way we can contemplate. Or we could think of what if we didn't wash uh, and shower this body, just say for one day, what would that be like? And all the sweat coming out, all the dead cells, the skin cells um, there. If we didn't wash our body, then we wouldn't feel very comfortable. There'd be no uh, ease and comfort there. Um, but when we do wash it regularly, the body, then we feel very uh, comfortable and it feels clean and we're at ease. Um, but what if we didn't clean it? And so we can contemplate like this in order to bring peace to arise. And we can contemplate the other exterior parts as well, whether it's the hair on the head, hair of the body, the nails, teeth, and skin. Um, we could contemplate the teeth. You know, what happens if we didn't brush our teeth? Uh, what would that be like? Not only would we ourselves feel repulsed by that, but other people as well would feel repulsed by that. And the nails are the same as well. Um, and also the skin, you know, if we take out off uh, the skin, we mentally uh, picture this, then underneath is just flesh and blood. So Venerable Ajahn Chah gave a talk in reference to this when uh, Lumpur was in his fourth Vasa Rains Retreat. He said to contemplate that if you take off the skin off the body, uh, then it's just all red. Uh, there's just a raw flesh and blood there, and it's this uh, smell of raw flesh um, then comes out. And so there's a teaching that he gave, and then when Lumpur actually practiced by uh, seeing this, then he found out that it really was like this. And so this is something that needs to be seen in one's own mind, uh, so you can contemplate these five outer parts of the body back and forth, back and forth, and this can bring up um, samadhi to arise. And then we may be able to then contemplate into these parts and see them as being of the nature to decay. There's something that are impermanent. They're not uh, a self. And then wisdom can arise, and we're able to see the Dhamma and understand from that uh, so these 32 parts, we can see it as 
being, uh, sorry, or we could see these parts as being just simply the uh, great elements, earth, air, fire, water, or being of the nature to be empty, and or we could see uh, these uh, elements as being something that decays. So you don't have to doubt or have doubts and worries about practicing a suba kamatana. Just use what it is to make your mind peaceful um, and to see any one of these parts in, a, uh, in its true nature is seeing it um, in terms of anicca, dukkha, anatta, that will lead one to see the Dhamma. So that's the end of the question and answer session. We can have a 10-minute meditation till the end of our session. <laughs>